Second Corinthians 4, 7 through 15. In their case, this God, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our, in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that the grace extends to you to more and more people it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Thank you, Phyllis. Um, This passage um, that Phyllis just read uh, and 2 Corinthians as a whole is really, um, I think it's, 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 a, it's a letter that's sort of like the futility of putting our best foot forward. Um, you know, uh, for like the last, for example, like the last uh, 40 years or so, I've, I've spent a lot of my time with uh, people in the age group of say 15 to about 30 or so. And one of the cool things about working with, with people that age is they walk into a room. It could be five people, 10 people, it could be 50, 100 people. They walk in and they look around. Is anybody my age? First thing, right? And if they see somebody their age, it's kind of like that they don't know. It's like, who's that? Who's that? Right? And if it's somebody that they like how they look, it's like, oh, man, that's my hair. Stuff in my eyes? No, no, no. Fly up? Yeah. You know, they're checking everything, right? wanting to put our best foot forward. We want to make sure that, you know, we've done everything we can to, to do it right. You know what I mean? And, uh, but it's not just people that age group who do that. We do that at our work too, right? Like if we're going to apply for a job, you put all kinds of great stuff on your CV, your resume. You're coming into the work week in and week out, day in and day out. You want to say, well, I got these goals accomplished. I did these great things. Um, if I go out and play sports, you know, I mean, I don't do a whole lot anymore, but I would go out there and you're like, have you played? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, what would you play? Oh, I mean, I was I, varsity. I was varsity for you know, three years of high school. You, know, you, you start to talk about all what you can do, right? Even in our neighborhoods, we do it. You know, what kind of TV you got? Oh, we got a, you know, 
50-incher. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so there's putting our best foot forward. But there's something that God wants us to get across here and that the, we can't sufficiently put our best foot forward and be real because that's not who we really are. There's something about more glorious about who each of us is if we're just real. Our series is Authenticity. And God desires, he intends, he made each of us uh, that we would be authentic. And so this morning in the passage we've had read in in 2 Corinthians 4, we're really going to see three things. That we have a treasure in jars of clay. Uh, Secondly, we're going to see power The power is God's, not ours. And then thirdly, um, lives that show this power, show his power. So looking again at uh, verse 7, it says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Now, I I brought some uh, visuals for you today. And uh, what we have here is some jars of clay. Isn't that nice? Let's hear it for the jars of clay. What do you think? Uh, Yeah. And a nice little table for them. Isn't that nice? Ah. Isn't that nice? Look at that. And you'll notice they're different sizes, different colors, different shapes different functions, just like, like us. And um, when it comes to jars, they were, uh, I have two questions about this. One is, um, how are we like jars of clay? And then, what is the treasure that God puts in these jars of clay? So jars of clay, they're very commonplace, earthenware in the ancient Middle East, uh, very inexpensive, but also easily broken. And um, they are, they, they're made from the dirt. They're made from dust. In fact, I have one here, probably maybe what Paul had in mind especially. Now, this, is, this isn't really made out of clay, but it's probably made out of glass, and, uh, which is also made from dirt. It's made from sand, right? And these are made from various types of clay and stuff made out of dirt. They do different things with the dirt, and they turn into that stuff. And, but especially common was to have a, a vessel where they would put, like you can see, here's a candle here, and I didn't light it, but it was a way they would put this, and it would, it would spread the light out all over the room. And the, the verses that we had last week, and Phyllis read, uh, not necessarily on our schedule for this morning, but she read them, and I'm glad she did, because verse 6 says, Uh, For God said, let light shine out of darkness. Uh, The God who said that has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. See, that light that we were blind to has now come into our hearts by the person of Jesus as he's come to us. And, um, And so here we are, people, uh, these, these containers were like these jars of clay. We're fragile, we're breakable, 
but we're also, these, these containers are made to hold something. Each of them holds something. This one holds a candle with light. Um, you could put a plant in this one, or this one, this one, who knows what you could put all in there. And so, us too, we are made to contain things. And, and so we do, you know, we, um, we have all kinds of things we put in us, ideas, we have uh, passions, and uh, lately I've been putting a little too much in me, and I'm fighting that, it just comes with the territory of the age, but I'm a container, I'm a growing container, and it's a problem, but we all, you know, we're all fighting that kind of stuff. Well, uh, now what's the treasure? Uh, you know, we have treasure in jars of clay. And Paul is saying here, well, we have treasures in jars of clay to show that the power belongs to God and not to us. Well, what's, what's the treasure? The treasure he puts in believers, first of all, is himself. You know, Jesus said, uh, he who has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and who loves me will be loved by my Father and we will come to him and make our home with him. See, the idea is God made us for him to come live in us. So we're to be a container of the infinite, transcendent God. Whoa, that's quite the container. That's quite the treasure. But we're also to have not only God himself, but his word. You know, Jesus said... Um, this is eternal life in John 17. He says, this is eternal life, uh, that, the, that they know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. And then he says, set them apart in truth. Your word is truth. And so as Paul says in Colossians, we're to have the word live in us richly. In other words, we're to be containers of not only God himself, but his word. And it's to, it's to live in us richly. And that's what this gospel message is that he was just talking about there in uh, the first part of chapter 4, in verse 6, the light that shines in the darkness. And so we're to be containers out of which, out of us, comes the shining light of the, of the knowledge of who Jesus is, his great love for us. And the light shines out of the darkness, it says. The darkness. You know what the darkest place on earth is? right here. And so I have, as a believer in Jesus, I have treasure. I have God himself and his word in this, in this jar of clay here. That's what Jesus is saying. And he's saying, uh, now let me ask you this, why, here's another question, why do you think God put his treasure in such a fragile, breakable object as, as this? Well, I think it's, you know, first because he wants to live in and with us, with, our, with his people. But I think, secondly, is as he lives in and with us, he wants to display or show out his glory. And he wants to do it through those who believe and trust in him, in spite of themselves. In spite of us. You get your act together? 
What a question. I don't know if I got my act together. I've been working on it for a long time. Still not together too much. So the power that's in any life, the power is God's, not ours. Now, do you ever find yourself uh, giving yourself the credit for what powers you have in life? When you're talking to people or you're just talking to yourself? You give yourself the credit, right? I'm really good in school. I really have a, I get a lot done at work. I get things really done. People really know what an achiever I am at work. You should see me out on the field. I'm the go-to guy. I am. Hey, check me out. I am one good-looking dude. I got good looks. See, whatever it is, I got it. And I want to take the credit for it. Have you noticed that you do that kind of thing? Or maybe have you noticed that I do that kind of thing? But anyway, that's, that's sort of like the, the basic in our society. It's really the basic in me. And it's the fuel for an inauthentic life. Why? Because I want you to think I'm really something. And so I'm going to put the best foot forward in all kinds of subtle ways. I'll trick myself into the fact that I'm doing this. But I want, I want you to like me. I want you to think I'm good. I want you to think I'm outstanding. And I'm very worried that maybe either you won't give it to me or maybe I, maybe I actually don't have it. And so my life is a bit of an anxious thing trying to make sure I got it. This also happens to be an affront to God beyond measure. Because the power is God's, not ours. And I'm somehow trying to make it sound like it's mine. Ignoring whether it's his. Now, in what way does God placing his treasure in fragile vessels like us, how does him doing that set up showing that power is from God and not from us? How does that happen? Why does he take people who trust in him, who believe in him, and they remain flawed, fragile people who still don't get their act together, how does he do that? Well, look at verses 8 to 12. Try to see if we can make some sense of this. Paul says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. You know, those verses there, when I read those and think about all the, you know, the, um, the idea of being afflicted and, and perplexed and persecuted and struck down, all those. 
uh, it made me think of all the bad things that happened in our lives, you know? Made me think of um, Murphy's Law. Have you heard of Murphy's Law? Murphy's Law, um, it, it says this. In any field of endeavor, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Have you heard that? You ever heard that law? There's a couple of them. Uh, left of themselves, things always go from bad to worse. Um, if everything seems to be going well, you've obviously overlooked something. Like this morning, I was, I was printing out Murphy's Laws, right, uh, on, my, on my computer, and I hit the, the, the print button, and I noticed that it was just printing page after page after page. I'd forgotten, the last thing I printed, I asked for seven copies. So in my trash can, I have six more if anybody wants these. So Murphy's Law happened to me this morning as I was printing this out. And you can relate to this, right? Now, now, what do we do with Murphy's Law? What do we do when bad things happen to us, right? We're trying our hard to do things with excellence. I, I didn't want to print seven things. And, and uh, you know, you can, you can be it's just kind of being humorous. I think whoever did these things is really just trying to be humorous. But I think there can be another way. There's people who really say, no, Murphy's Law, man, that's, it's, that's the thing. There's a way that we can be kind of cynical about life. It almost creates a platform for uh, complaining. And we tell each other stories. Oh, yeah, yeah, I had the same thing happen with my printer. Oh, man, I got a trash can full of stuff. And then it goes on. Yeah, I got in my car today, and I just I was driving, and I hit the curb. Now I got a big scrape on my car. Oh, yeah, I got, that. I got, I got somebody who did this to my car. Yeah. And then we just, yeah, Murphy's Law, Murphy's Law. Why do, why do these bad things happen to us? Why are these bad things happening? Afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. But what Paul says is going on here is that each of these takes us into death. In fact, they point to death. Death itself. You ever wondered why is there death in this world? And the reason why is we're trying to put our best foot forward and we're trying to show that the power comes from us and not from God. We want to use the things we've gotten from God on our own the way we want to. God says there's a payment that we've earned because of that and it's death. Romans 6.23 says uh, the the payment you've earned for going your own way and disregarding me is death. And so, uh, like later on today, we're going we're gonna to look at, uh, we're going to end our worship service with a, uh, we've been going through uh, something called the New City Catechism. A catechism is something when you ask a question, and then you get an answer to it. And stand alone, uh, if we just were to put this up there without some, setting it in the right context, uh, it might come across really harsh, and you're thinking, what in the world are they saying, just plopping this out there? But it fits with exactly why this light of who God is in Christ, why has he come to us? It's because God is a just God who must deal with the way we've responded to him and all the things he's made. Can we throw up that? Catechism question up there? Look at this. We'll read this later, but look at, uh, it says, what happens after death 
to those not united to Christ by faith? Answer. At the day of judgment, they will receive the fearful but just sentence of condemnation pronounced against them. They will be cast out from the favorable presence of God into hell to be justly and grievously punished forever. Whoa. That's heavy duty, isn't it? Well, that's what the Bible teaches. And so, why are people who follow Jesus afflicted and perplexed by life? Why are they persecuted? Why, why do these tough things come to them? It's to point to us and to everybody who would watch us and, and themselves to see that God's saying, there's a day of judgment coming. And it's going to bring, take you out of the wonderful, blessed presence of God. That is big bad news. And so God sends trials, hardships, messengers from him to shepherd our hearts to him. He wants us to go to, the, to see the cross and what God did to deal with that, the wages that we've earned. He wants to take us to the cross. So here we are in life. Here I am, trying my best, trying my best to live a life that everybody would say, excellent. Like, I want you to just come up to me after and say, great sermon. I'll go, oh, yeah. If I go play basketball, I want you to say, great shot. On and on, right? Here I am, pursuing life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and then things go wrong. You know, what's going on with that? It's like um, what's happening here is uh, you, God's bringing things in our lives to point us to death being at work in us, what, what Paul has written here. See that again? So death is at work in us, but life in you. Through the, the difficulties that come in me that point to death, it sets up an occasion for talking about the one who went to the cross in my place. A really wise man said to me one time, you know, you can see what's inside a bottle or a jar when you tip it over, when it breaks open. And so like if you have a, you know, like these jars right here and um, you sort of, Tipped them over. Okay, now you're awake again. Oh my goodness, what happened here? Um, just leave, leave it there for a minute. Look at that. I'd say that's a dead jar, wouldn't you? It's broken so bad. See, death is, at, death is at work in us. 
with life in you. Now, this jar had nothing in it. And this jar had nothing in it, but this jar had something in it. And uh, if you can just take one of these, make sure everybody gets one. Pass those around. One of these jars had something in it. Isn't that great? Here, pass those around. Pass these around. Make sure everybody gets one. Pass those all around. Take over there. To the other side. So you can see what's inside a bottle if you tip it over. It may be it's death, but you get to see what's inside it. When you get tipped over in your life, when the pressure's on, when things really go wrong, have you noticed that's when you find out what really comes out of you? A severe illness in you or in a loved one. You lose your job and you're without employment for six months, a year. You fail an exam. You lose a game. You lose almost all the games in a particular season. See, when you get tipped over and your life looks like this, we get to see what's inside. It comes out of you. And so depending on what's in there, the light shines out. And so what Paul, what God is saying here through Paul is he's saying, we have, that's if we've put our faith in Christ and we have him in us, when we get tipped over, he comes out. Now you're holding in your hands Bible verses and a life where, as Paul says in Colossians 3.16, when he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. See, then God himself and his word lives in you. And when you get tipped over, not just the words, but the very character of Christ can be shown through you. But if you don't hang with Jesus, if you're not having his word in you, if you're not rejoicing in the lover of your soul and you get tipped over, you know, I talk with people much. I was talking with somebody just the other day about this. He was a friend of mine saying, yeah, I, um, I don't know what I like, what I see coming out of my life right now because of what's, I'm getting tipped over quite a bit right now. And I need to turn to the one who wants to show his power through me. You know, we want to put our best foot forward. But the Lord wants to show that the power belongs to him and not to us. And you're going to have all kinds of messy things happen in your life. Let him be the thing that's in you. You're going to try to do things with excellence. And then it's going to look like that. But let him show himself. Whether you do things well or it stinks. 
whether you get things that everybody's saying, what a great achievement, or people are looking at you going, it's really sad, dude. What's in you? The last thing here is he says, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. You know, I think it's a really tough thing to imagine raising these things back to full functionality. They're shattered. And I've buried some loved ones and their bodies. They've returned to dust, as the Lord even says. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Jesus was put in a tomb. And the promise of the gospel is that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. That as he went to the grave and rose from it, we too will rise. What can put this man back together again, this shattered man? Only the God who created him in the first place. And we put our hope in the risen one for that hope. Will you pray with me? Father, uh, <laughs> I got one sideways um, unmet goal, failure, brokenness after another in me. Each of us does. But you come to us by your word, the word that became flesh and lived among us, and the word who suffered death, the death that I should have suffered. He was broken so that I could be healed and raised from the dead. We praise you that you have put this treasure of your son and your very presence into these jars of clay so that we could know that the transcendent surpassing power belongs to you and not to us. And that we could know the hope of the resurrection, the power of the resurrection, even in how we live with each other today. Oh, Father, make your word dwell richly in our hearts today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.